0: Love Talk Radio. Am I going to make it big? Am I over Jesus? My love is video. Am I totally going to get that
1: wrong?
2: Are my children going to be okay? divorced in my future? You're listening to The Secret of Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge.
3: Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, N.D., CNH, is the best-selling author of the ebook, The Secret to Everything, Manifesting the Life You Desire, now available on Amazon. She has practiced naturopathic medicine for over 20 years. She is a gifted intuitive, medium, empath, paranormal investigator, and remote viewer. She travels and gives classes and lectures across the country, as well as taking limited private clients. Trained in many modalities of healing, Dr. Kimberly has been practicing energy healing exclusively for the last 10 years. Dr. Kimberly has the ability to raise your vibration in person or long distance, and as a result, change everything in your life for the better, forever. A gifted transformationalist, she has developed TEB, or Transformational Energy Balancing, in order to facilitate permanent and rapid healing in her clients. Her desire is to be your last healer. And now, the host of The Secret to Everything, Dr. Kimberly McGeorge.
2: Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited to be with you tonight. We have two amazing guests, and we'll get started in a minute. But first, I'm going to chit-chat with Kareem, as always. How are you, Cream?
4: I'm great right now. Everything is going in a good direction. The weather's nice. Everybody's trying to show some interest in me now, so can't help it.
2: Oh, they weren't showing interest in you before.
4: Not that I wasn't paying attention to them.
2: Uh, <laughs> you're so funny. Well, um, we'll get to our guests in a couple minutes, but um, first we're going to have Kareem. You want to run through who we have coming up?
4: We have um, MJ Healing with the Blue Energy.
2: And That's tonight. <laughs>
4: yeah. Oh, you want to go over the? Yeah, yeah. If you want
2: to. Yeah. If you want to run over. Well, first of all, before you start that, I'm, and this isn't really helpful, but Thursday, next Thursday, I'm going to be on actually two radio shows. And I'll post, try to post them out on the website and on Twitter and Facebook. But I'm going to be on a radio show talking about, I think I'm going to be talking about Wealth and Abundance next Thursday. It's not on Blog Talk. It's on a different channel or a different station with Angela Levasque. She's going to be interviewing me. I think we're going to be talking about Wealth and Abundance, I'm pretty sure. And then on this earlier in the evening, I'm going to be on a Blog Talk radio show, which I don't remember the name of. It's a newer radio show. And I'm also going to be talking about, Actually, I don't know what I'm going to be talking about, so I'll be around, and I'll put that out on the web, and I'll put that on Facebook and Twitter, so I'll let everybody know about that, but other than our own show, that's where I'm appearing next week, so if you want to go through the guests, I mean, tonight we have MJ Domit with Waves of Blue Light, like you said, and we'll be talking about her book and about her energy healing. Uh, if you'd like to get a free reading, she's an animal card reader. She has her own deck. She's a gifted intuitive. She does... Well, we can't really do this on the air, but she actually does face and body readings, which is actually, and I'll talk about it more in a minute, kind of a special interest of mine, and it kind of ties in with vibration and what we talk about a lot on here, but she'll be giving kind of free, taking a peek into your life, and maybe she'll answer some questions and giving you a sample of what she does. And then the second half of the show, we have um, Mr. Bob and Bob Schroeder, and we're going to kind of switch topics a little bit radically and talk about... Uh, The UFO Enigma. So it should be really interesting. So I think it's going to be a busy show. And if you'd like a free reading, or you'd like to get in to talk to us or ask questions about UFOs later in the show, you really need to call in now. Or do you have the chat room up, Kareem?
4: Yeah, I have to chat with them. As soon as I get finished with this, I'll be handling the callers also. Okay, that'll
2: one. be that'll be wonderful, yeah. So we'll try to get them on right away. We'll get right to the callers and try not to leave you on hold for too long. And I'll introduce our special guest co-host in a minute as well. But if you'd like to run through the next couple of weeks, that'd be great.
4: All right, so July 18th, we have self-defense and L.A. phone psychic, Allison Mead. July 25th, we have James Goy manifesting money. August 1st, we are going over the Kennedy Conspiracy. August 8th, we have Melinda Carver from Positive Perspectives. She's a psychic medium on Live oh. Talk Radio also.
2: She's a amazing um, and a good friend of mine. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> exactly. Um, August 15th, we have Sashana, the energy healer. Uh, August 22nd, we have Dr. Joy talking about the end times, and we also have Jared Hewitt, an energy healer, and September 12th, we have intuitive energy healer, Mas Mas, Sajay, and September 26th, we have Arthur Farum talking about ancient civilizations.
2: That's a great lineup. Actually, I do have the show booked through November, and I'll get you that updated list, and like I said, we'll put that out on my website. I have been super, super busy. So first of all, I'm going to introduce to you, Kareem, as well, and no comments, by the way, Kareem, Um, our special guest co-host, Dr. John Corey. Are you there?
5: Yes, I am. And how are you, Dr. Kim?
2: I'm pretty good, a little panicked, a little rushed, but other than that, we'll we'll get through. We've got Marilyn, so that's the important thing. We have our guest, and we have a caller already, so how does it get any better than that? So I welcome It couldn't you. get too much
5: better. <laughs>
2: it probably could, but we'll pretend it can't. So I'm excited to go ahead and, and talk to Marilyn. So, Kareem, I'm going to introduce both of you and our listening audience to Marilyn. Marilyn, are you there? Hold on a minute, you guys. I'm having trouble bringing her on. Marilyn, are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. Good. Welcome to The Secret to Everything. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Oh, and thank you so much for bringing me on. No, I'm excited. And, Karim, if you want to go ahead and screen that caller, and I'll talk to Marilyn a little bit and introduce her. So what I know of Marilyn so far is her website is expecttobeempowered.com. And we'll talk to her a little bit about why she chose that and what that means to her. She's the author of the book, Waves of Blue Light, the subtitle being Heal the Heart and Free the Soul, which is just a lovely, beautiful, soul-inspiring thought. She's a Reiki master, not in one, not in two, but in three disciplines. She does face readings and body readings, and we'll talk to her more about that in a minute. She's an intuitive and she works with animal spirit cards, which is a little different from what a lot of people work with. So we'll find out more about that. And she also has her own deck of cards associated with her book. So, Marilyn, why don't you tell us, why did you pick Expect to be Empowered for your website name?
0: Well, um, I chose that uh, because that is exactly what I want my potential clients, students, um, to and audience to be is to expect to be empowered. And as we know, once you put the energy out there or the expectation or the thought out there, that's exactly what comes to you. So that was the main reason behind uh, choosing that. And I was just lucky that it was not taken by somebody else before me.
2: Oh, that's true. When did you? When were you able to lock that down?
0: Uh, I think it, it, I've had it now for about four years and uh it's something that people remember it's rather long you know to put into the um uh, into the search, but it uh but people do tend to remember it, which is uh, another positive quality of having that wow,
2: yeah, I like that like how can you not like that? everybody wants to be empowered, of course now, three disciplines what does that mean to be a Reiki master in three disciplines? Would you explain that
0: yes, uh sure. I am first and foremost a a master teacher in the Asui method of Reiki, which is um, the one that most people are familiar with. And when um, people generally take their Reiki, that is usually the discipline that, that they are introduced to. And then I went um, on and I took Karuna Reiki, which is an advanced Reiki. And that one was developed and taught and is taught by William Rand, who runs the International Center for Reiki in Michigan. And then I took Komyo Reiki, which is a traditional Japanese Reiki. That is also an advanced Reiki. And I took that with um, Yakuten Senzi, who is a Buddhist monk from Japan, So all three Reiki's are, um, I use all three of them in my practice and in my teachings. And it was actually through those Reiki's that I became really familiar with the the animal spirits. The animal spirits were coming to me at that time, and I know a lot of people have, when they work with Reiki and work with the energy, they have angels or ascended masters, and I have those coming through as well. But... Uh, predominantly it is the animal spirit guides that I work with. And, uh, and I, I'm not sure why they chose me, but but I'm glad that they did because I find – As, oh, sorry, as
5: co-host, can I interrupt here for just a moment and um, well, actually, actually say how impressed I am um, on what you've accomplished so far and uh, especially in the compliment with an E on – the uh the compliments of your uh of your re- reiki practices.
0: Oh, and thank with you.
5: with the with the Japanese and and how it is very interesting that the uh that the animal spirits have a lot to do not only with um your animal spirit guides, but as I was reading your, as I was reading your book, um they they, they take a lot of forms all throughout your life. Oh yeah, uh, I'm just I'm just very impressed. I just I just wanted to interrupt and say that. I'm sorry if I messed anything up you were about to say there.
1: Oh,
0: no, not at all. No, I'm I'm really glad to hear things like that. Um I, what I was going to say is that um after I said I'm not sure why the animals chose me, but then I was going to uh back that up a little bit and say I think the reason they chose me is because I tend to be rather direct and that's mm. what I find with the animals. Is that they are very direct and they give mm-hmm. people messages. It's like this is the way it is, you know, with no ands, ifs, or buts about it. And um, I, I really am, uh, I really do like the way that they, that they put that out there. Marilyn, this is kind
2: of a, a little bit of a, divergent path, which I tend to go on. But I always say it's so lovely because it's my show, so I can. Good. <laughs> what would you, and what you, would you say? I normally do not see animals. Well, no, that's not, that's not true. I see animals all the time in my house. We call them. All I, I always say to the girls, like, was the cat in here? And they're like, no. And I'm like, I just saw. And I'm like, forget it. You know, we call them ghost cats. Or um, my oldest daughter's seen a deer inside my house, which is kind of funny. But uh, I, about a week ago, I looked out my kitchen window, and I saw the biggest. It wasn't like a supernaturally big. It was just like a large percheron, like a black horse like standing like a thousand feet outside my kitchen window. And it was so solid and it lasted about, usually I don't see, it doesn't hold more than 10 or 20 seconds, but this lasted like 30 to 45 seconds, which is long for me. I just wondered if that says anything to you because nobody's been able to give other than one of my wonderful friends, Kara, she gave me a little bit of insight into it. But does that, should I look at that as a sign or a message or what would you get out of
0: that? Uh, I look at every animal that appears to me, whether it's in a physical form and a spiritual form, as having a message. And so, yes. And um, when I think about horses, the message that comes to me is mm-hmm. about power.
2: Wow. And
0: so Percheron being a large horse, I would say that that's a big message to you. And and again, animals, you know, you take them very literally. So
1: um,
0: what you... You know, what you see and all the little traits that you notice about them, about their color and their size, and um, you you take that very literally.
1: I
2: I really like that, and I needed that. I can kind of now that you said that, and the week that I've had since I've seen that, I think that was a very definite message for me, and um, that's that's interesting. Uh Okay, everyone's like, okay, enough of that. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit before we get to our caller, Lisa's holding from Boston. and She has a question. But before we get to Lisa, uh, let's talk a little bit about your book. Well, no, first before we get to that, let's talk about blue light. How did you come into contact with blue light, and how is it used in your
0: healing
1: practice?
0: Well, the blue light was something that appeared to me about three years ago. I've been a Reiki master now for around nine years but the blue light appeared to me about three years ago. And at first I didn't know what to do with it. I was um because new things were coming to me all the time and as you know, as your vibration rises, then you start to incorporate new things into your um well I do anyway, into my practice, into what I'm doing. And then when the blue light started to appear, I um really didn't know what it was, but I knew that I was supposed to be using it for something. And so what I did, because I didn't really have any insight as to what that was, what I did is that I would, I just, because I felt it being such a positive energy, I just allowed it to, to kind of take over when I was working with clients. So when the blue energy appeared, I took it to be a very, very spiritual energy because that's how I felt about it. I have since talked to different people, of course, who have different ideas of what that energy is, some people say that it's um, um, starseed energy. Some people say it's Christ consciousness energy. But I don't really label it. I just label it as, a, if I had to label it, I would just say it was a healing energy because I know when that energy comes in that it is coming in for the healing of the person that I have with me. And it comes in as waves when I am working one-on-one with a person. When I am working with a group of people, as in a workshop or in a uh, speaking to groups of people, it comes as blue sparkles of light. So I always notice that that it's there, and so I just feel that you know, when it's in with a group of people, I see this blue sparkles of light all over the place, and so I just feel that it's surrounding Mm -hmm. everybody in that room. Wow, I Mm -hmm. like that. That's really nice. It is. So that's.
2: So that was something that didn't appear when you were working and then just started appearing? It's kind of like what I call my energy downloads. Like I haven't, maybe I always had them, but I didn't know, and all of a sudden something changed in my life and I experienced something differently. Is it kind of like that? Like you said, it was just an upgrade or something you were given that you didn't have before?
0: Oh, yes, I really feel that because in the nine years since I started doing this work, I was a preschool teacher for 19 years before I started to do the the energy work God bless you on that (laughs) thank you and I enjoyed working with the children I really did but there came a time when it was time I knew that um, something different was there for me and all the energy lined up to enable that to come into my life and um, so I made a lot of vibrational changes myself and I found that as, you know, at at different steps, I would have different things come into my life. At one point, I was getting plants for people, and I didn't know what to do with that information. Like, I'd see a daffodil when I was working with a person.
1: Oh, or I'd see a
0: okay. tulip, or I'd see a rose, and I didn't have a clue what to do with that, and I didn't know where to go find information either. So... um that came to me that I worked with that or tried to work with that I guess for about 3 months or so and then just say you know ask for something different because I don't think I was quite ready for that I wasn't hearing the information um either that or I wasn't trusting it and then when the animals started coming into into my life that was I was a bit more open with that and and hearing things and there were places I could go for more information with that as well until I became more confident in what I was seeing and what I was working with.
2: Well, when you saw, like, the daffodil, what did that come to mean to you, or how did you incorporate that into your work
0: as Um, an example? Well, that's where I was having a little bit of an issue because I didn't exactly know what a daffodil um, um, reminded me of. And um, it came fairly early into the work that I was doing, and um, I don't think I really realized what was happening, and so now I would look at a daffodil and I would say, okay, that would you know spring, so that would be new beginnings, and uh, yellow, yeah, something okay. to do with the sure. solar planets. Uh, okay. Yes, but at that time I didn't know what to do with it. Well, I'm going to break this
2: conversation for a second. We'll talk more about your book in a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and take Lisa's call. Lisa from Boston, are you there? Yes. Hi. Hi, welcome to The Secret to Everything. Do you have a question or comment?
6: Um, yes, from Marilyn. Hi. Hi, how are you? I am really well. How are you, Lisa? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Good. Um My question for you um, is that I see a lot. My, I, I'm just so drawn to birds. Okay. Love, love, love birds. I'm just highly sensitive to birds. And I've always, you know, when I look at them, I'm like, okay, what do you who are you and what are you here to tell me okay and i would like to know why am i so drawn to birds um do you work with energy now lisa at all no i do not
0: um i would i would uh do some research on the raven um uh, okay. the raven is my power animal
6: Mm-hmm. And
0: the raven is the raven draws in other birds. So okay. uh, I think just doing a little bit of research on on the raven and um, might give you some insight as to why they're coming to you. Okay. They are also known as being uh, our, our uh, physical angels in a sense. So our wow. feathered angels. So is there
6: any particular bird that? Mm. It, um, that you see? or? I see um, a lot of hawks. Of hawks? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, um, so
0: hawk is about details in your life. Mm. So it's about paying attention to detail. Okay. Mm. So I don't know if that resonates with you at all, but
6: yes, it's yes. okay. A lot of cardinals. Um, Blue Jays Okay um, Finches okay. Chickadees <laughs> Yeah, so just everything that <laughs> Yes, just very <laughs> I mean I'll mean, i I'll just hone into a bird and be Whoa, That's different I've never seen that one here before okay. Or, you know, wow, they're out here pretty early And I'm just so And, and the, the the music that they Make is absolutely Incredible
0: Yes.
6: Incredible. Such a tiny bird can sing so loud that it's, you can't hear the traffic. That's how sensitive I am to their music. Wow. It drowns out traffic, the noise.
0: Yes. Hmm. So, so uh, Lisa, are you paying attention to the music in your life? Hmm. Your oh. life? Your life? Yes. In Your everyday wow. life and,
6: and all the positive things in your life? No, I'm not. But now I will be. Okay. And,
0: and just <clears throat> pardon me. And just the idea of the hawk as well, about paying attention to details? Yes. Mhm.
6: Wow. I'm sorry. And I also see here. wild turkey. No, go ahead. Wild turkey as well. Wild turkey. When, yes.
5: Mm. When when you were talking about the hawk, there did you mean details as in um, maybe it could be one or the other? maybe missing the larger picture in yes. lieu of, in lieu of um, concentrating too much on de- the smaller details mm. or missing the details in lieu of the larger picture?
0: Mm. Um, missing the, what I get is missing the detail. But that's a very good question. Thank you for clarifying that. Mm. Sure.
5: That's what I'm here for.
2: Oh,
5: good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you are. <laughs>
1: do, you
2: have, do you have any other questions? Or Marilyn Lisa. Um,
6: oh boy. Well, is well, is there a do I have a specific animal um that I should um be attuned to?
0: Well, I'm I'm thinking the raven
6: because the, the raven, raven is what brings
0: mm-hmm. in a lot of birds um oh, okay. birds into your life.
1: Okay.
0: I have I I have such. um some experiences with birds that have been unbelievable. I've been in the garden, and a bird has come and and just sat on my back. Oh
1: my and gosh! And like
0: so many different things with birds, and my totem is the raven. So I have a wow. feeling that you may have be having
6: the same kind of experiences. Well, you know what's really what's really interesting. One day I was sitting out um, in my backyard, and um, it looks like that had they had, were trimming. Um, some of the, the trees, and there was one, um, actually, tree trunk that they had um, they had chopped down. And every time I sat at that bench across from that tree trunk, there was always this little finch that would always come by, it would fly in and out of the base of this trunk. I'm assuming it was either making a nest or it was storing up um, food. And one day I went out, sat at the bench, and this time the opening to the to this um, tree trunk, it looked like someone had stuck twigs in it, which I don't know why they did that. And that bird, like clockwork, flew in front of me, but this time it did not land on the tree trunk, and um, it landed um, actually on a tree branch that was well. If I could, I could reach out my my right arm and touch the branch and that bird actually sat there it did not move until i got up removed the twigs out of the base of the tree trunk and when i did that it just it just flew into the base of the of the tree trunk it was actually waiting for me to do that i sat there and i'm like it's sitting here for an awfully long time it's not moving and then it Amazing. hit me oh i got it you want me to remove the twigs Amazing. And right when I did that, it it flew in, and it, I mean it was the most beautiful experience. Yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah, That is beautiful. neat.
5: Communication between animals and people are, are just are, it's just such a wonderful thing to experience.
1: It yes.
6: really was because it this the bird was not going to it didn't move. It sat there for about ten minutes. It it did not move at all.
1: Uh huh. Lisa,
2: I and, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but um. I'm kind of getting something. So have Uh-oh. you ever really... That's no, good. <laughs> well, I should probably say that. Sometimes it's not good. No, this time, no, it's good. Have you ever really tuned into your own ability to communicate with the animals? I think you're kind of in an observation space. You're kind of out there. But if I were you, I would start asking questions of the animals and asking you know, confirmation signs and trying to play with that communication because to me it feels like you have a real residence, especially with the birds, and that maybe there could be some kind of uh really direct you know subtle communication with you. Um, actually yes yeah. <laughs>
6: um i i you know there was times where um I've even been able to um actually see um nature um spirits in the garden. Because mm-hmm. I love to garden. Nice. and um, I know that to some people this sounds crazy but i've 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 seen I've seen theories um, i I absolutely love animals, and I feel that I truly truly have a communication with them all types of animals
1: mm-hmm.
6: i mean even from the from the chipmunks i just love just love being out in nature and just i i I just love animals. That would be something you want to pursue
2: as a hobby or, you know, even just investigate and get some books and just think about maybe doing that a little more formally or experimenting with that. That would be my suggestion because it feels to me like you're kind of halfway there between the observer and, like, yeah. kind of the direct channel, and I would encourage you to step forward into that, you know, okay. a little a little stronger. And believe me, on this show, there's really not much you can say that's crazy. So. Okay. <laughs> I was just, just
5: going to say the same thing. I was going to say... You can say anything, and I guarantee you nobody is going to criticize <laughs> you for anything you have to say because yeah. we've all
6: had it one way or another. That, that's good to know. Uh, <laughs> do, but you do you have?
0: have uh, I think Dr. Have Dr. Kim was or right, or right on right. on
5: that one.
6: Okay.
0: Yeah. Do you have uh, ravens around um, Boston? Ravens. Ravens. Big
6: crow. No, d- <laughs> crow, yet yeah. Oh, do we ever. Okay, okay. Yes, yes, we do.
0: Okay, yes, we
6: do. I, uh, yeah, I just feel like
0: uh, I said to begin with, I just feel very strongly that you have a lot of raven energy around you.
6: Now what what and exactly is that in what is that energy, raven Well, with? that is communication with the animals. The communication with animals. Yes oh, it, it is.
1: is. For yes, them? it is. Like
2: yeah. I got that and I didn't know that. I'm like kind of amazing.
6: I'm thank <laughs> <laughs> you for sharing that. that was nice. mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because animals they just they're just you know, drawn to me, and I notice that whenever I see someone that's walking their their pet, I have the tendency to always say hello to the animal as well. Yes, I do the always. same. I talk
0: to the animals and birds, and
6: yes, I always acknowledge yes. them. I just don't walk by and say hello you know to their to the person who's who's walking them and taking care of them. But I always make sure, and I I've noticed this about me that I always make sure that I also speak to the animal as well.
0: And are you an animal magnet? The animals just
6: they they come to you. Yes, yes, yes. and some yeah, uh huh. Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But I always recognize them. I always notice them and say hello as well. I mean, it's like. <laughs> It's just it's to me it's normal it's a normal it's something that I normally do and don't think about it until I kind of caught myself. I'm like, I say hello to the animals as well, mhm, I don't ignore yeah. them, good, I don't walk by and not you know you know pet them or or I'll speak to them and it's it's just normal for me to do that, yeah, it really All is
5: fine, <laughs> most animals are probably a lot nicer people than their. owners
2: yeah. <laughs> at some at some level, I agree with that. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for calling in
6: and contributing well, you. to our
2: show. And thank you, um, beautiful show. Thank you so much. Take beautiful. care. Have a great evening.
6: You as well. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you. Thank you so much. Blessings
5: to you yep. both. Thank you for coming right.
2: on. Yes. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, Kareem, I'm putting you in the hot seat. Do you have a question for Marilyn before we get back to talking about her book?
4: Do I have any questions?
2: That's what I said.
4: <laughs> oh, okay. Um I do have one question. You're saying like the the significance of the animals and their spirits. Is that something like what the Indians used to do? They used to have animals animal guides or animal spirits.
0: Oh oh definitely, yes. That is a very um uh very traditional with the native people or the First Nations people. And they they work very uh, you, traditionally. They work very very close with the animals, and they still I I do work with a lot of uh, First Nations people now, and they most of them are still very very communicative with the animals, um, and, and work with them. They they still they still honor their animals. They honor their people by giving animal names to to uh, their people. And um, it it is very much the same kind of thing.
4: And also the um the Eastern Indians they you know in Buddhism I don't know if it's Buddhism no Hinduism they they worship animals also. So is that a reason why they do that? Because they might say see them as you know sacred spirits or or something like that. Uh,
0: yes, because every animal has a characteristic. Characteristics, just like people, they have their own personalities within those characteristics, but um they very much have their own energy, and I believe that animals um are a higher form- of energy than we are as human beings mm. because they have so there's they're so knowledgeable and and so intuitive, and that's what they do is they follow their intuition
4: and so guess, um. As far as, like, I know in Kung Fu, they, they emulate animals. So they used to study them and form-based movements off
0: mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Do
4: you think that's why also?
0: Um. Definitely. I really think that there is something to a lot of those ancient teachings. And I think we are just now, again, starting to honor animals the way that uh, that they're meant to be and to, to communicate with them and get messages from them. It's like this a
5: reaffirmation, actually. So
0: we're coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I I see messages in every animal that that uh, is around me. I was on a road trip just this last weekend with uh, a couple of other energy workers, and uh, we had an animal book with us for all the animals that we saw. That you know, just for for messages. So quite interesting how people oh, are getting. Oh, that's a good idea.
2: I like that yeah. idea. If uh-huh. people are interested in this, or like Lisa. That's a good idea. If you're interested in this, maybe pick up. Maybe you could recommend one, Marilyn, that they could pick up and kind of keep on hand.
0: Oh, for sure. The one that I use is one by uh, Stephen Farmer, and it's called Animal Spirit Guides, and it's very, very easy to read. It's in alphabetical order. And he actually has three sections for each animal. He has um, if the animal shows up, for example, if if it's a buffalo. If buffalo shows up, it means... And then he might have it if it's a white buffalo or brown buffalo. And then uh, call on buffalo when, because they are are spirit helpers Mm -hmm. as well, so you can call on them. That's And Yes, and then if it's your power animal. So it's a very, very easy read, and it doesn't get into a whole lot of detail about the characteristics of the animal, just more or less what meaning the animal has at certain times.
2: Now, Marilyn, when you say power animal, what do you, like you were talking to Lisa, like you would guess maybe her power animal, was that what you were saying, was the raven? What is yes. your, is it a an animal that kind of, um, is it at a certain time in your life? Is it all throughout your life? Can your power animal change?
0: Your power animal, which is your totem animal, okay. usually stays with you for um, a lifetime, you have secondary animals that come in as totems or for messages. And so you may have some of the same characteristics of your totem animal. And in this book by Stephen Farmer, he actually goes into if, uh, you know, for example, I can give you an example. If a blue jay is your power animal, it means that you're fearless and will not back down from any challenge or threat. You're a dabbler. Well, I know somebody
5: like that.
0: Do you? Wait, what yes, did so you just say, Marilyn? I missed what you said. I was spacing. What did, did you just you're, say? You're fearless. If you, if Blue Jay is your power animal, you're fearless. Oh, okay, okay. And will not back down from any challenge or threat. You're a dabbler, particularly in the psychic and metaphysical fields, knowing a little bit about a lot of things. You sometimes convey the impression that you know more than you really do. You're an excellent... Well, I don't know
5: animal. if I would say that.
0: <laughs> but I,
5: I, the, the person I'm thinking about knows is a lot about a lot of that.
0: So. Okay. um you I one, believe
5: that, I believe in what you're saying, though.
0: Yeah. So he's got like he's got a few characteristics for for different animals. And when I work with people, I tend to be able to see their power animals as well. Really. Yeah. Now, do
1: you, do
2: you do that distant, or can you do that distant? Um, or that just you person? know,
0: I haven't tried it distant. But oh, Marilyn, um, this is a challenge. <laughs> I I don't know why, but I, I see or I feel cheetah energy around you. Around me? Um, yes I do.
2: Oh wow. Are you serious? That's yeah.
0: interesting. Because I'll yeah. tell you
2: why. Because I my daughter, um, Sierra, she asked me, she said, Mom, what's your um totem animal? And I said, I don't know, probably some kind of big cat like a panther or a cheetah, isn't that weird? Because it's so weird, and I always say to anybody that knows me, I say I'm like a cat. I'm either, like, totally, like, laid back and relaxed, but don't let me fool you, or I'm, like, extremely (laughs) playful and hyper. So very good. Now we opened up a whole new world for you with this show, Marilyn.
5: (laughs) Wow. I I want to jump up and down with my hand up, saying, me, 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 next, (laughs) me, please. All
6: right, Dr. John, you may speak. Okay.
5: I was going to ask, i was going to say what what would you feel on along my lines
0: okay, i just um I just have to kind of connect here uh, something keeps fading fading in and out um,
5: hmm. and there's an animal that I see a lot
0: okay but... i'm I'm thinking it's a i'm thinking it's a big animal, it's not a bird. Um that's interesting. It's a big animal. Um but it keeps kind of, of going in and out here.
5: Yes, uh-huh. yes. Well you hit that one on the head. You come in and out, like almost like a protector of some type. <laughs> wait
0: a this is for fighting
2: over Marilyn. Can you see Marilyn, this is a good show for you to be on. We're fighting over you like preschool
0: kids. <laughs> oh, well that's good. No, I it, felt it, like
5: a preschool kid. That's what uh-huh. I said. I feel like jumping up and down with my hand up, going, Me next, me next. No, oh, I
0: I I it. I actually think it's a horse. Oh wow, really oh that's interesting. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's I very interesting. Yeah. Interesting
5: in more ways than you can even imagine, I believe.
0: Okay,
2: Mm, very interesting. Um, Marilyn, before you talk to him, because this is my show, remember? (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing you guys.
2: No, could you tell me, since you said mine, you thought mine might be a cheat day? What are what would that mean? Like, what are some qualities of that other than what I the obvious things that I pointed out?
6: Well,
0: um thank you. Some of the qualities of a cheetah is, uh, well, being very quick, like having quick reflexes. Um, If you think about the animal and you think about what you know about it, so, um, and, um, but needing, (laughs) sorry, needing periods of solitude. Oh, that's so good. Okay. uh, And uh, protective because cheetahs or big cats are very protective of their young. Mm. And, um, let me see...
2: Loyal. They're, very, they're very... Pardon me, sorry? They're loyal. They're very loyal the cat. Oh,
0: loyal, yes, okay. Um, I'm just kind of... I've just picked up... Um, I have this book beside me, Stephen Farmer. So there's a, a couple that, yes, we hit on. One about being very quick reflexes and enjoying your solitude, protective of your children. Your early years were difficult with mm-hmm. lots of grief and tears. mm mm-hmm. You're very empath- uh, empathetic and compassionate with others. There's two that two more that are in there. That are in sure, there. Sure. I'm gonna have to get that book. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> um, we have a caller from Florida, Kara. I'm gonna bring her on or she'll yell at me. So I'm gonna bring her on now. Welcome to the Secret to Everything, Kara. Thank you for calling in. Do you have a question or comment?
7: Oh, like I'm ever for a lack of words. I <laughs> did uh, <laughs> Well, hello everyone tonight, and Dr. John, I want to say you're doing a great job co-hosting, very much enjoying the show, and giving uh, Dr. Kimberly a run for her money, right, Dr. Kimberly? No comment.
1: (laughs) No comment, yeah,
7: we know, we know. (laughs) Um, And and actually, um, the name of your guest just slipped my head right now. Can you remind me what your name is? Marilyn. Marilyn. Marilyn, I'm sorry. No problem. <laughs> the 730 Brains app. Um, yeah, I, I just had a couple of comments. Um, first of all, in April of this year, my mom passed away. And, you know, a short story there was I had an empathic episode the night she passed away, didn't know she was passing away. All throughout the night, I had paranormal activity in my house, didn't know who it was. And by 7 a.m. I knew what happened. Um, Well, when I was on the phone notifying everybody, I was out on the porch, and I was quite, you know, obviously upset. And a cardinal landed in the tree next to me, and I didn't pay attention to it because for 45 minutes it was singing its heart out looking at me, but obviously I was really involved in my phone call. The interesting thing about this is that my mother and I often talked about cardinals, although we rarely saw them, because we associated them with, like, a spirit presence of um, of her passed away brother. Okay. So and a, a thing about my part of Orlando is I'm, like, in hawk territory, so it's not like you see a dozen cardinals every day. But for the first two weeks after my mother passed away, I saw a cardinal literally every day. It would seek me out, and one of the most notable things that happened was a night was one night I was crying because I didn't have a chance to say goodbye to her and There was a cardinal that started singing in the tree at around midnight and it sang in the tree very loudly until ten a m in the morning,
1: wow.
7: and neighbors were actually complaining and saying. What bird is out at 1 o'clock in the morning? Really? Wow. <sighs> Amazing.
1: Yeah. And
7: so I actually got that on videotape, too, um, you know, because it did mean a great deal to me.
0: And wow. do, you, do you believe that that was a message, because you had uh, spoken up with your mother about birds and cardinals, that that was a message from her?
7: Um, well, I think it was definitely tied to the message. My mother... Uh-huh. My mother was like like a Stevie Nicks punk rock chick. She loved karaoke. You know, she loved hitting the karaoke bars. And my mother was very eccentric and loud and vocal. And so if she wanted your attention, she would get it. And, of course, I saw the flamboyant male cardinal, which would yes. be colorful with the spiky hair. And so most mm. of the cardinals I did see were male. But I did associate them with my mother. And the thing about it is is that since my mother passed away in April, I've had so many different experiences. I mean the Cardinal in retrospect is just kind of a small piece of the pie now. So I'm I'm very blessed. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, well and that thank you
5: for sharing that yeah. with us. I I I I don't know. I'm not even gonna interrupt anymore. I, I figured I've been doing enough of that, but thanks.
7: No, you're good. Oh, we love hearing you speak. We definitely love everybody at the table.
5: <laughs> well, I was gonna say I, I have had some similar similar things happen when when people have left my life, and uh, it is truly amazing when when things like that happen, and you can recognize them for what they are. So mm-hmm. you truly are blessed for being able to recognize you know as these things
6: happen.
2: Well, I'm going to jump in for a second because Kara is a very talented girl, and as a matter of fact, as soon as I can get it up, um, you're going to be able to go to my website, Secret to Everything, and you are going to be able to purchase a reading from Kara because Kara is a high-level intuitive, and at this time, the only one I'm offering readings from on my website. So Kara is a very special little girl. Right, Kara? Well,
7: that's making me blush. But, yes, I've definitely definitely learned a lot from Dr. Kimberly as a friend and as an associate. And she's just been so supportive throughout this year. And I do want to say that her book definitely helped to change my life and my perspective about a lot of things. So, um, The Secret to Everything Manifesting, I'm putting a plug for it.
1: Oh, thank
7: you. Uh, Okay. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say was um, my daughter's actually very intuitive as well. She's, she's only three years old, um, but she's actually seen a lot of things in her room. And you, you just look at this little girl and you know that she knows a lot. But over the last several months, and this actually started happening two days before my mother passed away, but I don't directly connect everything that happens with my mother because, you know, my daughter pulls in her own energies. But she started, uh, my daughter started seeing things come out of her dream catcher at night, and this hasn't stopped. Um, and she'll just say it's either angels or she said, the first time she said it was white beings with long white hair that were dancing. And she started dancing to show me how they were dancing, and they were dancing like they you would like a powwow. Mm-hmm. Um and I asked her I said honey what were they saying to you why didn't you scream and she said oh well you know they were having fun I was having fun she said they spoke spanish See the huh. interesting thing is my mother my daughter does not know that native americans traditionally don't speak english mm-hmm. Um I did have a, a paranormal investigation team come over to my house um a little over a month ago, to deal with some stuff around here, and the lady who uh who did the investigation and the house blessing and clearing said that the reason my daughter was seeing the things out of her dream catcher is because my daughter has some Native American blood um in her genetics. Do you have any feelings or thoughts about that um,
0: that's that's very possible or um um, I was thinking more like a past life, like a you know
1: reincarnated
0: um, from the the Native American or the Spanish. Or um, I'm just not sure why she keeps getting these messages.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: like why why she would keep getting them. You said that was just before your mom before your mom passed out? Yeah, on?
7: actually, um, this sa- Saturday was the first visitation Kimi reported to me, and okay. she explained it for 90 minutes when she got up. And I wasn't oh pushing goodness. her because, of course, she's three years old, so if you start introducing new concepts, she will add it to her story. Yes. But she did talk about it for 90 minutes and was doing the hand movements, and she kept saying, twisting, twisting, twisting. Um, So Kimberly knows all about it, but the dream catcher was a gift from my mother. Um, And ever since then, Kimi has seen things come out of the dream catcher, but now she's talking a lot more about angels, angels protecting her. And sometimes she says that angels put something in the middle of the dream catcher, like take someone away, or sometimes she says it's a gorilla. (laughs) they, They took it away, they put it in the net so it would be good. Oh. oh
1: wow.
7: Yes.
0: Well, um then after you said that, I I just got the thought that it is your mom in protecting her in some sense. Your mom possibly even being a guardian angel of her. Like I know it's quite early mm-hmm. because generally when people pass they don't become guardian angels right away. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then I don't know your mother, so I don't know where she was energetic energetically. Mm-hmm. Vibration, but um, it you know that that's something that uh, just intuitively that came to me as well.
7: Oh, wonderful! Or e- yeah.
0: Either, yeah, or she's sending protection.
7: Yeah, my mother, um, my mother was fiercely in love with my my daughter, mm-hmm. and they are a lot alike in both ways. But the funny thing about my mom is she told me for a long time she said, "Kara, when I die." Everyone will know it because I'll come back as an angry ghost, oh. and I'll tell you right after she oh. passed away, it was like my mom came to move in here, and she's coming, coming, she's been coming and going since then. It's not like she's always sticking around, you know. She has other things to do, but when when she's around here, you definitely know. So, uh, and my skeptical husband, he's definitely been turned around after this experience because he's actually seen apparitions of her, and it's been kind of almost a normal thing to him. now. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Well, thank well, men, you
5: for calling, men typically, Sarah. Yeah, men typically are not the uh, most uh, intuitive people, and uh, I will have to add myself to that, not recently, but in the past at least.
7: Hmm. So, sorry Well, I understand. That,
1: but
7: <laughs> there has to be a balance to things. Uh but um one more thing I just want to ask real quick Marilyn. Um I've been I had a dream last night. It was more of like um like a nightmare, but very vivid. But in the dream, Dobermans were protecting mm. me. Oh, and I've okay. been in a situation this year where I've needed a high level of protection. Um do you think that that's, uh, that the Dobermans are associated with my need for protection?
0: Um, dogs are usually associated with loyalty like they they definitely protection is part of that too, because if you think of the dog, the type of dog is yes protection and uh and loyalty as well, so I don't know where that would fit in, but that mm-hmm. I know that word loyalty pops out that means as well
7: so, okay,
1: wonderful, mhm.
7: Well, I will definitely make a note of it. But thank you, Marilyn and thank Dr. You. Corey and Dr. Kimberly and <laughs> Kareem, okay. as always. Oh, I just
1: noticed that we have Kimberly, Corey,
2: and Kareem. How cute is that? <laughs> oh, I, just that Kimberly, Corey, add, back
5: I do want to add before you get off that you have the prettiest voice. You really do. You um. just have a voice that just sounds so, so nice and calm, and I, I hope it continues to be that way, and I, I hope good things continue to happen for you.
7: Well, thank you so much for the blessing. I appreciate it. Thank well, you, we Kara.
4: Have, um, we have a question from the uh, chat room. Al Emerson, 11 is asking, because he's saying his, pow- his power animal is a lynx. Uh, what does that mean?
0: A lynx? A lynx is a keeper of secrets. So um, okay. <laughs> he, he um, is... Um, Definitely someone who other people can put their confidence or, or tell him things, and he is going mm-hmm. to be loyal and trustworthy enough to keep those things to himself. That's, that's the main character of a lynx. That's really neat. Well,
2: Marilyn, our time is about up. It went fast once we got rolling, and I'd love to have you back. You're welcome back any time. Could you tell mm-hmm. us? Your website name, your book name, anything, any final words, anything you'd like to say?
0: Okay. Uh, sure. My uh, my book is Waves of Blue Light, Heal the Heart and Free the Soul. I also have oracle cards that are coming out uh, that are associated with the book. And if anybody's interested um, in looking at them, you can go to www.expecttobeempowered.com or email me. How, how would you spell that? Uh expect what do you spell that,
1: Marilyn?
0: Expect to be empowered dot com.
5: Oh, okay. Expect to be empowered. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure how that was. said. Uh, thank you.
0: And uh my cards you can order the cards you can order off of there. They're not ready yet. they are at the publishers. They probably will be here uh, towards the middle of August. And um I just wanted to say horse. I wanted to tell you some characteristics of the horse before I go. Do I have a minute? <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) See if you think this, this, that resonates with you. Your personal freedom is of the highest priority, sometimes at the expense of others' approval, and you buck whenever someone tries to stifle you in any way. Even though you know how to travel to other dimensions and realities, you still deal well with mundane issues and concerns. You're very loyal to others once they've earned your trust. You love to wander about just for the sake of exploring with no particular goal or agenda in mind, and you're a natural leader and evoke confidence in others. Wow. Does that resonate with you?
5: Wow. Absolutely. I don't know. Dr. Kim, how, how do you feel about that?
0: I think it's pretty, I'd say it's pretty close.
5: There you go. That's pretty neat. Uh, I, I thank you so much for being on the show. I know I'm only a co-host, but I, I really appreciate you coming on, and I I feel that you, I've I've gained a lot of knowledge from you.
1: Oh, well, and yeah, I appreciate you being on. It yeah, we actually I, went
2: in a direction, Marilyn. I I really didn't expect it to go and. We could have gone a lot of different directions because you're multi-talented, of course. And is your book Ways of Blue Light" is that available? How could we order that or buy that? It's,
0: a, it's available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, and you can also um, get a signed co- um, order a signed copy oh, nice. through my website. Or what? and it's also available as uh, Kindle and ebook as well. Fantastic.
2: Well, like okay. I said, welcome back anytime. I've so enjoyed Thank it, you. and I so know our callers have, and I know the many, many people that listen to the archive shows as well. I think you're going to start kind of a new interest in people trying to find out what's, who their animal totem is okay. or what that
1: means, and we've well, never
0: really
2: talked about that, so I appreciate well, you going in that direction.
0: I guess that's what the show was meant to be.
2: Yeah, remember when we talked, I just said, let's just let the energy take it, and yes. the energy definitely took it. <laughs>
0: well, I really yeah, enjoyed it. Me too. You, you
5: certainly, well, you certainly you. did something for me, I'll tell you that, and I, 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 truly, I truly appreciate that. Thank you.
0: And thank you so
2: much. All right, Marilyn, we'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, bye-bye.
2: Bye. Oh, Kareem, you got cheated. We don't know what your
5: yeah,
1: album
2: no. is. Are you mad? Are you out talking to us now? No, Kareem, did I talk
5: over you, man? I am so sorry if I did, bro. I was busy doing
4: other things. It's all right.
2: Oh, okay, I you're not going to
4: beat me up or anything, right anything, no, are you? I'm <laughs> doing a chat room and screening callers and stuff like that, so it's all right.
2: I promise I'll let you talk to our next guest if you want. Maybe, Kareem, if you're good. Um kind of a, a little bit of a rough transition here. I don't know. I, maybe I don't pick them as compatible topics, but they're all interesting. Our next guest, and we're going to tell you a little bit about him, or I'll let you. I'll let him tell you mostly about himself, because I think the guests do a better job usually than I do. But we're going to be talking next in a minute or so to author Robert Schroeder. And he wrote a book called Solving the UFO Enigma, How Modern Physics is Revealing the Technology of UFOs. And that's one reason that we have the lovely and talented Mr. Doctor, I'm sorry, John Corey, on the show, is for this particular topic, because I'm not quite sure how well I'm going to hold my own, or Kareem, well, maybe Kareem can, in modern physics and UFOs. So it should be pretty interesting as we get into this discussion. So without further, um, me not knowing what I'm talking about, I'm going to go ahead and say hi to Bob. Bob, are you on?
8: Hi. Hi, Dr. Kim and, uh, John and Kareem. I think I got everybody there. Oh, very
5: yes, good. Yes, you
8: did. Thank you. Yes. Dr. Scherer. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, it's, uh, not a doctor. <laughs> um, well, but, I've,
5: uh, I've read your book, I, I, you might as well be up there, but okay, go
8: ahead. Oh, Sorry about that. that, that thanks, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and, uh, Dutch uh, uh, Kim, do you want me just to do a little introduction about who I am that's and everything?
2: Wonderful, well, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on the Secret to Everything. And I'm really looking forward. This is we could go again, you know, just like with the previous guest, we can go. I imagine quite many different directions with this topic, but if you could just start off by um, answering two questions, which a little bit about your background, and then. How did you get into this topic or at what point, you know, did you start to get into this topic and end up writing a book about it?
8: Okay. Um I uh, I had uh, worked for Hewlett-Packard. Um I retired after about 26 years there. And uh, and so great company to work for, by the way. <laughs> and um but um but anyway, um um I um, I have uh I, I was uh, when I worked there. I was involved in operations, finance, and product management in maybe the last ten or fifteen years. Um, but um, uh, my educational background: I have a uh, bachelor's in mathematics from Rutgers University, and I you have won't a, hold a,
5: that against you though, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
8: and, uh,
1: and,
5: a,
8: and an associate's degree in aerospace engineering and an MBA <laughs> piled on top of all that and uh, but um the last um probably 10 or 15 years i've been studying modern physics and um and I and I, and I and I so so i'm very very familiar with what's going on and everything there um and i probably should mention that i do come from a family of scientists and engineers um my dad was a research chemist and he and he was a graduate of, of MIT and his dad, my granddad, was a mechanical engineer, and our daughter Debbie is down in the Washington. i was going to say, area.
5: isn't your daughter? Um, isn't she a structural engineer or
8: something along those lines? Uh, yes, she is, um, uh, John. Yeah, she's um, down in the D.C. area, and uh, and so you can kind of see this sort of engineering, science, and stuff like that it sort of runs in our family, <laughs> and, uh, and and I should admit, I. I didn't mention it uh, in my little uh, blurred blur, uh, blur that I spent, sent there, but um uh, my wife is a math teacher, high school math teacher. She teaches calculus and stuff like that. <laughs> so, oh, that's it,
2: calculus! Wow.
8: Yeah. yeah. And, and,
5: how the heck does and, she get along with that? Jeez, oh man.
8: <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, we met in Rutgers University. We were in a. Class on abstract algebra, (laughs) and so that's how we that's how we met. (laughs) uh, So um, okay, you scare
5: me already, Doctor Kim. Help! Oh no! No,
8: what do you mean? I'm horrible at math. Oh no! No, you know what? Terrifies
1: me. (laughs) um,
8: This this isn't really all that bad. It 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 might take a little bit of explanation of the physics and stuff, but um, uh, my interest in the UFO phenomenon. uh it uh, goes way back i'm a little older i'm in my 60s now and uh, and uh but uh i can tell you what happened um and this is um uh, something that probably many people have experienced but uh it really affected me because i coming from a you know family of scientists and engineers um it i kind of when i saw one of these ufo's back in 1957 I was just astounded. I, I I could hardly believe it. I mean, what the heck could this thing be, you know? But it was back in 1957, and and we come from, my family it comes from Teaneck, New Jersey, northern New Jersey, a couple miles west of Manhattan, uh, west of the Hudson River. And, um, and it was um, around 5 p.m. It was early in November of 1957, And even though I was only 12 years old, I had very, very good eyesight and everything.
3: Um,
8: But I was looking up in the sky, and I saw this um, cylinder um, going across the sky. And then I noticed it was followed by... It was a gold-colored cylinder. It was probably around 5 p.m., perfectly clear blue sky. And, And maybe the length of the cylinder behind it was another ob- object that was uh, round and it was no wider than the narrow width of the cylinder and the cylinder had the shape roughly of a cigarette but they both objects looked like they were up around 5000 feet and they were ap- definitely traveling in tandem one right behind the other uh, they were you definitely think they were- together
5: do you think they might have been connected in some way? I I, I read uh, when you ha you have that written somewhere, and yeah, I was that, that's the first thing that came to my mind was Do you think they were in tandem or were they connected somehow?
8: Uh, well, I do think they were separate in the sky, but I think they were traveling together, John. Um And um, and I'll tell you, but that's actually an interesting question, and I'll sh- I'll tell you something else uh, shortly. But um, but the um, so i was watching these two things and um and i noticed that uh, the cylinder was blunt it was you know cut off on both the front and back just like a cigarette and and i knew yeah. that a airplane and 707s this shows you how far back I go. <laughs> yeah,
2: seven oh seven. I love it. What is the
8: yeah?
5: What is the seven oh seven? But that's okay. We don't have to get into that. It's like, a little bit before my time, but. <laughs> uh,
8: th- this was the first Boeing jet aircraft wow. jet airliner. You know, and and they had just cool. come out in fifty six fifty seven, so they were kind of new and exciting for. So if you case. look like
5: at an Me two six two from like a uh, oh,
8: World yeah, something like that. And, they
5: have the one front end with the with the jet engine.
8: Yeah, the Is that twin something jet something long nice. Uh well this actually looked fairly standard for a jet airliner. It had four engines, two on each wing. And um but um but anyway I thought um my first thought was this thing that I was looking at couldn't be a jet at the Boeing 707 because it didn't have any wings <laughs> and 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 even though I was only 12 years old uh, as I mentioned my eyesight was quite good even today I still don't wear glasses so um I, I so I quickly realized I couldn't see the wings mm-hmm. and it was blunt uh, blunt on the front and back and I knew that a jet should be tapered on the front and back but anyway to make a long story short I was—I suddenly realized I was looking at something incredible, and I ran inside to try to get some—some some of my brothers and sisters. I have five brothers and sisters, uh-huh. and I—I and I could only drag out two of my brothers, and, uh, and they saw it too, just as it disappeared over the trees, heading toward New York City. But I'll tell you, um, re- uh, referring to John's question before. Um, years later I began reading about the UFO phenomenon as as I got older. And mm. at that at the age of twelve I was probably too busy, you know, playing and stuff to really uh get uh, deeply involved. But it did affect me. I was it always At least was you my noticed
5: mind. it and it definitely was some sort of a traumatic <clears throat> event it seemed.
8: It uh, yep, it sure was. And so then what happened is I, I began reading about these UFOs. And the, and in the books uh, like Major Donald Kehoe, um, he was in uh, he was in, I think the U.S. Marine Corps, but he had followed the UFO phenomenon for many years. Um, and you know you,
5: sorry for interrupting here, but is no, Stanton okay. Friedman the same age, that, right around there?
8: Yes, he is. He's about my age too. And in fact, I I asked Stanton. You
5: don't sound as he, old as he does, though. When he talks, you can tell he's old. When he talks, oh, you seem like you're younger.
8: <laughs> oh, oh, you know, it could be. He might be a little older than me. I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, okay. I, uh, it's my wife's. Good, um, you know, cooking. I guess <laughs> it keeps me mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh,
5: well, you can and, send some of that up here.
8: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> and, in uh,
5: Pennsylvania, so that's no problem.
8: <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's where my daughter went to school. She was at at Penn State, and well, oh, that's where my
5: parents used to live.
2: State College,
8: yeah. State huh. College. Oh, it's a beautiful area. It beautiful is. It is a beautiful there. area. It really is. Yeah, and so. But anyway, years later, I read about uh, UFOs, and one of the things that caught my eye was people reported seeing these so-called cigar-shaped things or cylinders, just like I had seen. But they were um, they were associated with uh, the smaller uh, disc-shaped, typical flying saucer-type craft. And it appears as if those cylinders or cigar-shaped things are mother are motherships that mm. uh, carry the smaller ones. So they must be the motherships. And and, and one really good sighting occurred in France. Um, a guy was out walking his dog and like at 2 a.m. in the morning, and he saw a giant cylinder just like I have seen. And as he was watching it, it was pitch black, but he could see the cylinder. It was kind of glowing up in the sky, and he thought it was maybe a mile up in the sky, so similar to what I had seen. But then to his amazement, uh, the thing was all by itself, just this long cylinder. It began to tilt a little bit, and then all of a sudden he saw a flash, and out of the there was another one? And a a disc-shaped UFO popped out the bottom. Just like, I had a like,
5: weird feeling you were going to say that. And and do then you, what do you think these might be? Do you think these might be U.S.O.s as well? Because i I've, I've, um, I've heard the same terminology.
2: What does Uh, UFO mean, you guys? uh, Like, leaving me out of this loop here. I have no clue. And I'm sure our audience
5: doesn't either. They're submerged. They're like UFOs are able to go. I I should let this up to you, um, uh, Robert.
8: Uh, You've got this another term, too, that's used, and I'll mention that. Um, A UFO stands for Unidentified Flying Object, but what John was referring to is another type but it's really the same thing it's a uso underwater submerged object unidentified mm. submerged object and um but they both are I, I think these things are easily capable of going under the water from the air you know i i think they I've have never that heard capability that. Mm. but but wow. the, in, the interesting thing is that uh, this guy watched as one disk-shaped ufo after another came out of the bottom of the cylinder and they set off in different directions of the compass he was in france northern france and he he said um he said there was about six or seven that came out they each headed for a d- different area uh, one south one west and so on and um and then over the next couple of days they had ufo reports all over europe <laughs> so i think oh, wow. Yeah, I'm almost certain that these things, these big cylinders, are motherships, and they carry the smaller, uh, disc-shaped. You can sort of think of it as a tube, and the in the disc-shaped flying saucers are stacked up inside like plates, and and yeah. so that's probably how they do it, you know. In a, but uh, but anyway, I- this.
5: I I really like I'm sorry to interrupt again here. Oh,
8: that's good. Okay.
5: I really like your idea of uh, I guess this was your idea of the federation. If like if we were able to, if if somehow we were able to send, um, I don't know, if we were able to visit other stars, we can't even keep ourselves from fighting here amongst ourselves on Earth. Um, you know, oh, what's no. to save us from sending something to another star? You know
8: uh well you know what uh, uh, john and dr kim and and Karim, um the um i actually think um uh i'm a i'm i'm absolutely an optimist on earth's civilization i think things are getting uh. better i know uh-huh. it's uh, we you know we may take one step backward and two steps forward but Overall, the um, the direction of modern civilization is progress, and and I think that's going to continue, and in fact, I think it's going to get even much much better if I'm right about this UFO technology. We're it's going to open up a whole new worlds, and and we may um, discover we're going to it's going to be pretty amazing, you know, uh, if 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 what I think is how these things work if we can confirm it, um, and I'll explain how we do that as well. I
2: want to break in one second because you guys are, like, going on your own little UFO buddy tangent here. But a couple things I want to point out that you said that I think are important for the general audience is I've read countless accounts all over the globe and in America and in New York City and in Ohio and everywhere about these sightings. And it's so funny because a lot of the people that have had experiences like you have had, has said there's people all around them. And, like, supposedly UFOs have flown over New York City, and, like, oh, yeah. there hasn't been some big media attention. And this is the same thing with Chemtrails, which is another show, but it's the whole thing that goes with there's a saying that some of us say, like me, that says no one looks up. You know, and I taught my girls, it's like we're so absorbed in our own little trauma and dramas and our, you know, we're so inward and it's all about me that we don't even take the time to observe other people or or nature. Nonetheless, things like, like no one looks up. I think it's kind of a crazy thing. So a lot of these things are probably missed. And I would guess that there were probably thousands and thousands of sightings that could have happened that actually nobody saw because we're so self-absorbed. Do you have any thoughts on that?
8: absolutely and i think you're exactly right i think what happens is that um you know, most people and and it's there's nothing wrong with it it's just um we're pretty much uh, involved in our own you know what whatever's going on in our life we're taking care of our kids we're going to our job we, you know we rush off to dunkin donuts in the morning to get our coffee and and we in truth this it's not that um, we're neglecting it so much as we're just pretty – everybody's pretty busy. They have things they've got to do and stuff. It, we, you know, we got to pay our taxes and got to get to work and keep the boss happy. And, <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's actually understandable that people uh, don't pay as much attention as – uh, i would like them too to the skies um but uh, however that's um as long as there's some people uh that are you know like myself and many many others who are uh focused on this phenomenon uh we will make we are going to make progress in it and and in fact i'll talk about that tonight i think i know how these things work and i think we can replicate it <laughs> and uh, and i think the implications for our civilization uh are going to be uh, tremendous uh, and and to the positive and and I, and I also l- later on I want to get back to the comment that John made about the federation um cuz I I do believe um there's probably a federation of advanced civilizations out there, but I, I won't get to that until a bit later on. Cause well, I let like me ask a, you
2: another question. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, we had a guest on our show. I don't know, Cream. Cream, do you remember when Jody Cook was on? Was it about a yeah. month ago, maybe? Oh yeah. And We had. Do you know? Are you familiar at all with Jody, Bob? I
8: sure am. I what? actually, you know what? You know what I did, Doctor Kim. Before this show, I went in and I listened to. I, I looked at some of your previous shows, and yeah. I I okay. saw the one with Jody Cook on Bigfoot, and so I kind of listened to that, and I learned that he had been part of I think MuFon, the Mutual UFO Network, uh, prior to getting involved in Bigfoot, and so I was very interested to hear uh, him talking about it, and and uh, so that that was pretty neat. Jody oh, Cook.
2: Really? Well, good. Then we totally can have this conversation. Well, what I found so fascinating, well, there's so many aspects of this to talk about, but what I found, uh, and we've got time still, but what I found so fascinating about what he had to say, and I don't know if you listened to the whole thing or part of it, but I found what was very interesting was the reason he got out of, number one, the UFO organization was very interesting to me. Number two, I really liked what he said about um, New Orleans and um And and the reptilians, and I don't know if you would even consider, in your opinion, would you consider, and so everybody in the listening audience has no clue what I'm talking about or where I'm coming from. You need to go back and listen to my show with Jody Cook, and then you'll you'll have a framework for this conversation, because I'm not going to repeat the whole thing right now. But what is your opinion about what he was talking about, the reptilians having some interaction with the National Guard and... Coming out of the sewers. Does this have anything to do with UFOs, in your opinion? Or is oh, a separate topic.
8: Oh boy. Uh, you know, I don't. Um, I, I I have to admit, I didn't listen to the entire thing. I didn't have time, um, but I did listen to the beginning part, and uh, uh, so I unfortunately I didn't hear the reptilian thing. However, I think the the al- these aliens who are operating these UFOs. It's my guess that, for the most part, they look similar to ourselves, and the there's um the, you know it's uh it's fertile ground for uh hoaxes and stuff to come mm-hmm. up with uh, you know stories about alien encounters um but the few credible reports that I've seen where there's multiple witnesses and they come from a Kind of a background where they It's not likely that they're making it up You know uh, I'll give you a perfect example Down in uh, Papua New Guinea um, There was a uh, Let's see It was a missionary A Anglican church missionary And I can't remember I forget his name But um, back in the 50s He was at uh, one of his mission sites In Papua New Guinea um, Ministering to uh, the native populations way up in the mountain back country of New Guinea and um and they had a um interesting UFO sighting encounter uh where uh this uh father father Gill G I L L if anybody has internet access there they can look it up um father Gill was um he, uh, some of the uh, people at the mission uh called to him one evening and, and they said there was something in the sky, and he ran out, and he saw this um, typical disc-shaped UFO. And I'll make a long story short because it was a little bit involved. But they observed humanoids on the on the top of this thing. It was maybe 500 feet off the ground, and maybe eight, seven or eight hundred feet away from them. And but they could clearly see uh, up to four humanoids. Um, but they looked very similar to human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, they. They they could only see them from the waist up, but they were clearly working on a deck on the top of this thing of this craft, and you could see them. They were kind of moving. It looked like hoses and stuff around on the top, wow. and uh, and so so that's one example. Then this is of, like of, 1959,
5: wasn't it? It is.
8: It, ni- yes, thank 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 you, John. Thank you. It's uh, it was
5: 1959. Um, yeah, I think then, it was. It was that long ago.
8: Wow, and then and then there was another sighting, um, Lonnie Zamora, and I'm not. It was in the 1960s, I think. Uh, I may you could you might want to look that one up too. Yeah, I know, um, I know
5: that name, but, but uh, uh, Papua New Guinea one was was very sticks out in my mind because they did see the the um, humanoid creatures like moving things around on top of a deck of a ship, which yes. would would fit in your in your uh, like template of. Having like being like um, having have had a mothership somewhere else that it was coming down to do something and then going back up,
8: so, I, I think that's right. And they're probably just uh, exploring the the smaller flying saucers are probably are scout craft that probably just come down to get a closer look at human civilization. And uh, and by the way. Um, a doc- I, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who was the advise, he was an astronomer from Northwestern University, and he was an advisor to the U.S. Air Force uh, for like 20 years uh, with Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book was the Air Force research project on the UFO phenomenon. They eventually closed it, but Dr. Hynek said that. Typically, UFOs in close encounters where they come down close to the planet Earth uh, to the surface, uh, generally that only occurs in r- rural areas uh, mm-hmm. in the, not typically in cities or uh, densely populated suburbs. It's usually in the rural locations, and uh, so they do seem to not want to make any um, you know real interaction with us, although I will mention that in the Dr. Gill case. Uh, Dr. Gill wanted to see if the one of the creatures on top of this craft came over to the what looked like a a railing, and he kind of put his arms uh, uh, elbows on the railing exactly as a human would do,
1: Hmm.
8: and so Dr. Gill or, or Father Gill, he raised his hand and he started waving. Uh, one hand at the creature, and to his surprise, the creature waved back with one hand and so dr Gill and then a bunch of the other people in the group began waving and any and the creature continued to wave then, just to make sure he was really communicating and not imagining this, he put both hands above his head and waved both of them and in amazingly. The creature understood the idea, and he waved both of his hands above his head. So Hi. t- he he knew exactly what Dutcher, I mean, or Father Gill was trying to do, and uh, and and then so that so th- th- that's about the limit of communications that we've had, I believe, with these craft. I don't think there's anything more than than, than an occasional flashing light and waving, you know. Um, but yeah. there was oh yeah,
5: I know what you're talking about the flashing lights. Didn't they have something? To say? Paranormal State did something about that. I don't know if you saw that show.
8: Well, you know, they were up
5: on somebody's farm.
8: I think... I, I'm not sure... Yeah, I think you're right. You're right. Um, there was... Um, um, but there's another one in California... I think it was way back in the 50s and 60s where somebody was driving their car up in the foothills of the mountains, and they saw a UFO hovering. And just for kicks, they flashed their headlights. They were on mm. kind of a long, lonely road, and to their amazement, the, UFO, the UFO flashed <laughs> back.
6: <laughs> and yeah. Then, so,
8: and that, but that was it, and nothing else happened. Just the flashing. Thank goodness. Yeah, I, mean,
2: I they remember, right? <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Yeah,
8: and, uh, but thing. anyway, <laughs> so, um, but so anyway, there's an, uh, and then there was one other uh, story I'll mention that I think shows that these are humanoids like ourselves, and I think there's a good reason why they are. It has to do with, uh, ev- you know, Mother Nature's choices in evolution. Uh, but in um, Lonnie Zamora down in Socorro, New Mexico, s o s B-O-R-R-O. Um They um, he he was chasing a a, a speeder, uh, officer Zamora Lonnie Zamora, and um, and I think this was in the 1960s. If if you want to look that up, but anyway, uh, um, he came up on top of a mesa, uh, which down in that part of the country is what they call those hills, those kind of flattened hills, and and he was looking down in a gully. And he saw this uh, white, whitish-looking egg-shaped object on four legs, and standing next to it were two humanoids. Uh, They looked similar to humans, but maybe a little bit smaller than the average human. And uh, and one of them suddenly turned and noticed uh, Lonnie Zamora, the officer Zamora. He kind of like looked startled as the way Zamora um, described it. And then he said the two of them ran; these two creatures. Ran around behind the UFO, and then they heard a. He heard a loud bang, which is probably the door closing on the craft, and uh, and then he heard a roaring sound, and he ducked behind his police car, and then he observed this egg-shaped thing z- z- zooming up, and then it shot over toward uh, a mountain range that I think was like fifteen, twenty miles away, but it went at extreme speed. And yeah, so, would,
5: would some type of ion propulsion make that type of sound? No.
8: Like uh, a, a high like
5: output static electricity?
8: You know, I uh, that's a good question, John. I see uh, as I, I'll explain tonight, um I think they fly uh the, the way they fly is by manipulating gravity gravity itself and I'll explain yeah. what I mean by that but um they still have to have action reaction engines in order to take off and they pr- and they very likely could use uh ion propulsion but it almost looks in this case like um they might be forcing out particles with mass uh, uh with significant mass to make that which would cause the loud uh, s- uh, sound sound waves, um, and um, uh, because in other words, I think when they're taking off in like an emergency situation, I think when they're just way up in the sky, and they have reduced their weight to a very minimal amount, they can just use yes. simple. They can use ions, but uh, they might have to use heavier part of, heavier ion particles. Um, you know, maybe uh, protons or something like that. Um, And to when they're close to the ground, but then they might be able to use lighter particles, ionized uh, like electrons, when they're higher up. And uh, so, yeah. uh, uh, But um, but what I'd like to do, if I could, I'd like to actually get right into the physics because this is where it gets.
1: Yeah, go for it.
8: Oh, good, good. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bad, bad. (laughs) So uh so you, uh, but anyway um uh one of the uh, when i was reading about ufo's over the years there was one very puzzling aspect of the ufo phenomenon that i could not understand and this is way back in the 60s and 70s and even though i was working full time raising a family i i always kind of kept uh, a finger into the studying the ufo phenomenon but um uh th- this was very puzzling uh for many many years i thought as did many other people that these things are using anti gravity and uh however i now no longer believe that um and um and here's why this is what uh, uh this is the puzzle that got me thinking in the what i think is the right direction um way back in wanaqu reservoir in the 1960s 1966 um, I come from New Jersey, so Wanaq is up in northern New Jersey. And a, and a police officer saw um, a UFO hovering over the reservoir, and it was in the dark. But when he was watching, he noticed something really odd. He noticed that the water underneath the UFO, and the UFO is maybe 20 or 20 feet above the surface. The water beneath the UFO was being lifted up toward the bottom surface of the UFO. Oh. And and he was amazed because he said it was absolutely a huge amount of water. He said probably several hundred feet long by maybe a hundred feet wide or two hundred feet wide. So it was a massive amount of water. Uh, 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 I'm sorry? I said fuel. Uh oh no not fuel. No, uh it didn't quite reach the bottom of the UFO. It only came okay. up part part way. And but uh, this was surely an indication of an of not a repulsive gravity field, but an attractive gravity field. And that's what um puzzled me because all this time I'm thinking these these things have to be using anti gravity. But anyway that it looked like it had an attractive gravity field and a very very strong one, and that left me baffled, and uh, and so however, as time went on, I I began to realize that there was something to this, and it was a, a clue to how these things. It was a critical clue to how these things worked, and um and so um anyway uh, so as I got more involved, they don't did,
5: stop now, man. Oh oh
8: yeah. Oh oh good. And so as mm-hmm. I got more and more involved with this thing, I realized um that um as I studied physics, I realized that they couldn't be using anti-gravity because number 1 um it wouldn't really make much sense because once you're away from a gravity field, um the whole idea behind anti gravity is you're pushing against a gravitational force, like the right. planet Earth. But six times ten to
5: the negative thir- thirty six or something? Like I mean, you're, really? you're you're dealing with some heavy duty,
8: <laughs> heavy duty stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And and, and oh, so, uh, sorry, Doctor Kim, we, we were getting carried away. <laughs> yeah, we were getting camera. carried away. <laughs> it's like physicists uh, talking um, to each other. Oh my gosh,
2: it's funny. Keep
8: going. <laughs> but but anyway. Um, uh, so I knew that um, uh, it wouldn't make much sense for a UFO to be using anti-gravity because the second you're away from a gravity field, you can't push against it. It's, if, it's, if there's no, if you're in deep space, there's no gravity right. to push against. And so, um, so I realized, you know, that it was unlikely that they had anti-gravity. But then. What clinched the case that it was not anti gravity was, and as I studied physics, they pointed they made it it was clear that while the non gravity forces are multipolar, that is like you have the negative and pos- positive mm-hmm. of electromagnetism and and the weak nu they have this four fundamental forces in nature. Uh the weak nuclear force which causes radioactivity. Um, oh. the, and uh, so um so like the weak nuclear force uh has three three uh force uh, oh, I should I forgot I'm kinda of going kinda of fast here. But
5: well, all you're pa- actually ball, talking about what which keeps like molecular bonds Together, like you're strong yes. you're weak, like a force.
2: Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me ask yeah. you a question. Why does any of this matter? I'm like spaced out, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, do at Kim. least tell me, like, why this matters. <laughs> like, oh, I
8: can tell you. Okay, I, good. Okay,
2: good.
8: Uh, uh, the reason this is so critical is because um, if um, if if this if the UFOs are using technology that we ourselves may be on the threshold of understanding here on planet Earth, it's going to, as I was saying at the beginning, it's going to open up whole new worlds, um, uh, and, and I mean that literally as well as figuratively. Um, we literally will be able to go to other stars, and very quickly, and and maybe I'll just jump right into it. I'll explain how it works. Um, uh, go for it. Uh, yeah everything in, you can think of everything in the universe as consisting of matter and force particles, and everybody's familiar with the electron or the proton those are matter particles and uh, and so um we know that matter is it it comes in quantum uh pieces called particles, and all um all subatomic particles have three fundamental characteristics there's spin mass and charge, and even if it's neutral, it's still... You're losing moving.
5: everybody, I guarantee you. Not I me, mean, I actually sorry. get that <laughs> part, believe it or not. Really? <laughs> <Wait, wait. laughs> okay, yeah, I do. I, was just I understand that. I was going to wait until you got to part. the wave theory, but go ahead. <laughs> I think yeah, get that
8: okay. <laughs> And then, but, but, uh, but anyway, <laughs> sorry about this. I, I, I just want to... I'll try to um, make it... Um, I, I know it's a lot to cover. Sorry, but I'll try to yeah, like, make it. well, you you, you did that
5: well. I couldn't figure out how you were going to say that in a, in a way that wasn't going to just you know you know get everybody like upset. <laughs> but and, you did a good could, job could, right there.
8: <laughs> could, yeah, I, and but uh, uh, all subatomic particles have just three basic uh, uh, characteristics, and those are spin, mass, and charge. And um, and everybody knows uh, like an electron is only. One two thousandth of the of a proton's weight, a quark's weight, uh, or no, I'm sorry, a proton. A proton is two thousand times heavier than an electron, and so that that's you know the mass of these particles, and the charge. Uh the charge of a proton is plus one, and the charge of an electron is minus one negative charge and then the spin it relates to a quantum characteristic which i don't i won't there's no need to go into it because it's not relevant to what i'm talking about but um but anyway uh, uh also all particles can uh have. A something called wave-particle duality that they can manifest as both waves or particles and that, and you probably have heard of uh, um, the wave theory of quantum mechanics well, maybe not maybe not but um, but that's what I yeah. just
5: brought up like, how many oh, seconds ago oh, oh
8: that's right you that did. Was what, remember uh, I
5: was waiting for you to get to the wave part and particle theory
8: <laughs> y- <laughs> yes you did Yep, <laughs> and, uh, and um, but uh, jumping back to these particles we know that matter um is consists of particles of different types of particles but it turns out that forces forces uh like the electromagnetic force or the strong nuclear force which holds the nucleus together um those forces are carried by particles too and uh, and so um and so this is where it gets interesting uh there are only four f- known forces in nature um these are the strong nuclear force which as i mentioned carries uh carries the strong force um which keeps the protons in the nucleus because they have the same charge keeps them from flying apart um and um uh, the the particle that carries the strong nuclear force is a particle called a gluon g l u o n um now the electromagnetic force that um you know, when you get static electricity on your clothes, that's carried by a particle called the photon. And so people have probably heard of the photon. And likewise, the gravity force is carried by a hypothetical particle called the graviton. Now, keep that in mind, the graviton, because we're going to run into that again shortly. And uh, um, But anyway, uh, what, what's so... Um, it turns out that science is really, really interested in the forces of nature even more so than the matter particles. So they're more interested in the force particles. And the reason is forces make things happen in nature. Like uh, uh, I usually use the example of the electric force in a lightning bolt, you know. and Yeah. Because uh, so that, that's pretty dramatic, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and so... And it turns out that there are symmetries, certain symmetries among the forces of nature, those four forces of nature, the strong nuclear force, weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, and gravity. There are certain symmetries which um, suggest to the scien- scientists and physicists that at some earlier stage in the universe's evolution, all these forces were united in something in something like a super force and So they've been working over the years to try to unify these forces, and I'll just go through this real quick. They have had success with the non-gravity forces, the three of the four, the three non-gravity forces, and they've actually been able to uh, come up with a uh, unification of some of those forces. But they have not been able to include gravity in with the unification of the other forces, and the question is, why haven't they been able to include uh, gravity? Well, right. it it turns out that gravity is much, much, much weaker than the other forces of nature. And as John uh, pointed out before, uh, the electromagnetic force, one of the non-gravity forces, is 10 to the 36 power. Stronger than the gravity force That's the number 1 Followed by 36 zeros So it's not like yep. tens, Not not like 10 to the second power Which is 110 squared not right. like so, 10 it's like 10. 10 so
5: it's like 10 to the negative 36 So it's like so much weaker That
8: Yeah, It's, it,
5: it's, it's, it's a very weak Gravitational pole Compared to any of the other forces You're working on
8: it, it, It's incredibly weak And that's why they haven't been able to um incorporate gravity into a unification theory with the other forces and this is a problem in physics that is referred to as the hierarchy problem H uh, I E R A R C H Y the hierarchy problem and it's one and i believe it's one of the critical keys to solving the ufo problem so um and 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 now i uh, what I'll what I'll do here, Dr. Kim and John and Kareem, I'll just give a quick uh, explanation of how physics has evolved and, and how the evolution of physics is now pointing toward a likely explanation of UFO technology. Um, in, in a nutshell, there are two pillars to modern physics. Uh, one is general relativity which describes gravity and the other is quantum mechanics which describes the three non-gravity forces uh the strong nuclear force weak nuclear force and electromagnetism well over the years um they have been uh working uh, you know over the years um, uh, physics has evolved uh, Isaac Newton, he had his laws of motion and stuff back in the 17th century, and his original theory of gravity. Um, and uh, Maxwell, which some
5: of them actually stay true to this day, but yet get broken every day at the same time.
8: Uh, that's right, John. Um, the uh, Isaac uh, Newton's laws still hold true. Uh, in fact, we still use his um, uh, theory of inertia and, and everything. But, um, but. And even his theory of gravity still holds for uh, systems like the planets going around the sun. It's only in extreme conditions, at ex- very high speeds or very strong gravity fields, that you have to use general relativity to explain gravity. Otherwise, Newton's laws are perfectly adequate. So it's only it's only on the edge of where things get more extreme like a like a black hole where you have to right. uh pay attention to general relativity and and uh, but anyway um one of the, the one of the most important things about the evolution of modern physics is that um, Uh, uh, So uh, right through Newton's laws of motion and his theory of gravity, through Maxwell's laws explaining electromagnetism in the 1850s, and right up to relativistic physics and quantum mechanics in the early 20th century, it was assumed we lived in a four-dimensional universe, three dimensions of space, uh, up, down, and sideways and uh and uh or, I mean I'm sorry, right, left, and up and down uh, and uh so it was assumed we lived in a four dimensional universe, so we had three spatial dimensions and one time dimension so but uh in the middle of the uh so in about the nineteen seventies science and physicists were still trying to unite all the courses of nature. And they finally came to the realization that we might live in more than a four-dimensional universe. And this is where it gets interesting. Today, um, it's believed that we may live in a universe with 11 dimensions. 25. And isn't that in- pretty incredible? Yeah. 11 dimensions. Yeah. And now it turns out that um, of the seven extra dimensions beyond four, so four plus seven equals eleven, six of those dimensions, spatial dimensions are curled up in tiny little spaces and aren't relevant to what I'm going to talk about here. But the seventh extra dimension is a larger space dimension. And this is involved, I believe, in the UFO phenomenon, and I'll show you how. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, they've continued to work on these theories, and they um, and and they've come up with a uh, all of the research and everything like that they've been doing now for decades and decades. They've come up with a theory called M theory, and M theory um, can be can be thought of as membrane theory, but it looks like we may live on a four-dimensional space-time membrane. But it's floating in a larger five-dimensional space-time, and I can do an analogy. If you can think of, uh, if, uh, it's a, it's at a lower dimensional level. But if you can think of us living on an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, um, and it's floating in the space three-dimensional space in front of you, then uh, that would give you an idea of what is meant by a, a space-time membrane. And, uh, and of course, we can't think in terms of four dimensions, but we can we can do an analogy in two dimensions. And uh, so the, the piece of paper is is two two dimensions. So, but anyway, uh, one of the theories that comes out of m theory, and now we're getting close to explaining UFOs here, um, is a theory developed by uh, a, late, a lady physicist actually at Harvard University and by another physicist from John Hopkins University down in Maryland or uh, I think it's Maryland, yeah. And and um, their theory is referred to as warped geometry and they propose that there are two four dimensional space time membranes floating parallel to each other in a in a larger five dimensional space time. And they and they say that the space between those two membranes, they refer to it as the bulk, B-U-L-K. And warp ge- and, the, and the big problem in physics is the hierarchy problem, why gravity is so much weaker than the other forces of nature. And here is the solution, and the solution leads directly to the UFO phenomenon. And I'll show you how it does. We're almost there. Um, uh, it's They propose in their theory that the gravitons that carry the gravitational force, that the vast majority of these gravitons uh, are not on our four-dimensional membrane, which is referred to as the weak membrane. Um, instead, they are closer to the other membrane that's floating parallel to us, so ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all the gravitons in the larger five dimensional universe are are snug up to the other membrane that 's floating parallel to ours and um and so what that means is that gravity has has to be weak on our membrane, the one that we live on because the particle that carries the gravity force is mostly on uh, close to the other membrane, and as as um, the warp geometry theory uh, discusses, they say that uh, if you were able to leave our weak membrane and go into this bulk, uh, the fir- yeah. the close the closer you got to uh, the uh, gravity brain, the other membrane that exists parallel to us. Um, mm-hmm. Because of general relativity, in a strong gravity field, space shrinks, so distances shrink. And right. So this, instead
5: of like taking 25 million light years to get to the Alpha Centauri, it might take 25 minutes.
8: Exactly. And and what's happening is, with warp geometry, um, I, as soon as I saw this theory, I realized how UFOs get to planet Earth. Um, what they're doing is they're they're somehow penetrating into the bulk that space between the membranes and they go in only as far as they need to to get to other star systems where the distance to other stars is very small compared to the four-dimensional universe where we live and uh, and so and I did one example uh, in the book I talk about uh, alpha centauri which John had just mentioned there Uh, Alpha Centauri is 25 trillion miles from planet Earth, which is equivalent to 4.3 light years, but you only have to go into the bulk to where gravity is one ten thousandth of its maximum strength in the bulk, and... um, And you only have to go in that far, one ten-thousandth of its maximum strength. So you can see, you can get even a stronger place. Um, But anyway, at that distance in, the distance to Alpha Centauri shrinks to 25 miles. You could literally jump in your car and make it in half an hour to Alpha Centauri. (laughs) Yeah, it's very amazing. Isn't that incredible? And that, I believe, is how they're doing it. And and this is backed up by an interesting UFO sighting um, uh, in France in 1994. Uh, Captain Jean-Charles Dubac was flying for Air France, and he and his crew spotted an 800-foot diameter UFO that was kind of a bright red color. and uh, And as they were watching this thing, they it turned on its side so the flat side of the disc was facing them, and they mm-hmm. could actually and, and uh, as they were watching it, it began to disappear in front of their eyes. Not get smaller, but they could see through parts of the UFO. They could literally see right through. And then the whole thing makes yeah, a lot of sense. A, and, and, so and
5: essentially, going
8: and I, through I, a I, dimension. I, Exactly, I believe they're going into the bulk, and that 's what Captain Dubach saw. He saw this uh, uFO actually leaving the four dimensional membrane that we live on and actually penetrating into the bulk and it and it, as it turned out, the uFO didn 't go very far; it reappeared about a mile away and suddenly re rematerialized, and they could observe it again. It was picked up on radar from both a ground radar station and from the airborne radar in the 747 it
5: was almost it was almost giving people who were who are uh, observant an example of something that was going on
8: yes and uh, probably not deliberately but uh, just accidentally but it was very important to understanding how these UFOs work and uh, it, so uh, dr kim i hope uh, i hope uh, this isn't too confusing.
2: Well, actually, um, it kind of is, but we can always listen to the archives and try to figure out. But very, very, um, Mr. Schroeder, very impressive theory and research. And I don't even know how you came up with all this, to be honest. It's just,
8: it, it, it's it like took, a
2: lifetime of work, it seems to me. It,
8: it was. I can tell you that it, it, that's exactly correct. It took me many, many years to finally realized what they were doing, and it actually took it it actually took developments developments in modern physics to that made me realize how these things are doing it and that brings me to the next thing i we can prove this is what they're doing because um it turns out that um um i believe they're using something called kk gravitons and these uh, yeah. these are these are called uh, Kaluza klein Gravitons, and they were um they were researched by two people, uh Theodor Kaluza, who was a, a German physicist back in oh right around the time of Einstein at the beginning of the twentieth century and um and he was one guy that uh, developed and i he was one of the first people to suggest that we might live in more than four dimensions. Then another guy, Oscar Klein, who is a Swedish physicist, and he too uh, further developed uh, Theodor Kaluza's, uh, Professor Kaluza's theory. And um, But in a nutshell, I won't go into all the details of it, but these KK gravitons, Kaluza Klein gravitons, um, have tremendous interaction strength. And remember how I, what I said early on that ordinary gravity uh that we're used to is very very weak although you probably don't believe that because when you're getting up in the morning to go to work <laughs> and you're fighting against gravity and stumbling into the bathroom you know <laughs> um you know you think it's pretty strong but in reality the gravity force is, is very very weak and uh, um but um but anyway um these kk gravitons um the exciting thing is that i think if i uh, physicists think that we will be able to produce these things. They believe that at the Large Hadron Collider in in Geneva, Switzerland, uh, have, have you guys heard of that? It's a particle accelerator. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. And they just recently discovered the Higgs boson, which isn't relevant to this, but uh, that's one well, of the things. Well,
5: actually, it is. We're talking about the God particle, and you know how how weak and strong you know forces come together i mean it, it is all tied together but in tying it, it together we need another six hours of show get
1: right. yeah, yeah and <laughs> we yeah we
2: actually need to wrap it up because i always cut off my outro and it makes my show sound really bad i always get so caught up in the speakers so we can always have you back on mr Schroeder. if you could just tell uh, everyone to kind of um how we can get your book and read more about it that would be lovely
5: Oh, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I, I kept asking uh, you questions, and I, oh, I, I hope no. I didn't lead you astray there.
8: Not at all, John. I like questions. I absolutely do. Um, that, in fact, I always ask every show that I'm on if they could have people ask questions. You know, but um, uh, the, the book can be bought on Amazon, and it's uh, and it can be bought either as a, uh, a paperback um, or as as a Kindle version. It uh, one or the other. You know. And or if they want to buy both, <laughs> and uh, and my wife my my wife is still mad at me for spending so much money publishing this thing.
6: Aww. So. <laughs> well, hopefully we can recoup
2: some of your losses, and we, yeah. you know our listening audience can. We have a lot of people, lots, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds listening to the archive. So, um, what how what you've shared tonight will definitely live on as long as the radio show's on the air and in the archive. So. Mr. Schroeder, we so appreciate you coming and sharing. It's kind of mind-blowing, and I'll probably have to listen to the show again and understand half of it, or I can get a debrief by Dr. Corey. So,
5: we'll okay. have I, will have no, I have no problem. I have no oh, problem excellent. debriefing at any time, Dr. Kim. You know that.
8: Excellent. And also, um, uh, uh, Dr. Kim and John and Kareem, I did send a copy of the book. I sent it today. Um, oh, thank so, you. Yeah, okay. It should be. Th- yeah, it should be there in a couple of days. Did you a, sign
2: it? Did you it? You know
8: what? You're you going to kill it? me. Oh, you're going to kill me. I forgot to sign oh, it. it was, no I was, so, I, I was so anxious necessary. to get it Aww. out the door that I just rushed down to the post office. <laughs> well, <shop>.
2: thank <laughs> you so much. I appreciate it. I was definitely share it with Dr.
5: Corey as well. So
8: thank
2: okay.
5: you so much. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I really do. Well,
8: you're thank welcome that. to come to you anytime. You answered many, many questions I had. And oh, excellent. And thank you for having me on the show. Well, I re- okay. I really appreciate it.
2: Have a lovely evening.
8: Okay. Yep. And thank okay, you very you much, sir. Okay, yep. okay, you guys enjoy the evening too. Okay. Right. Uh, take tough. take take care.
5: Yeah, you too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Dr. Kim. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um I I can uh I can continue on uh anything you need me to do here. It's just uh it's just going to become a little tougher for me. Oh,
2: okay. Well, Cream, are you still there, Cream? Cream.
4: Cream's gone. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm here. Cream, in
2: one minute you have to sum up that whole conversation. Go.
4: Oh, it was basically tying all of the protons, <laughs> neutrons, electrons, <laughs> and how the spin theory and how the UFOs fly and, trans- <laughs> <laughs> and trans-dimensional space. it. Man, you, through you through
1: got
4: through that through whole time. thing,
5: man. Holy crap. Yep. Well,
2: cream yep, <laughs> and I were a little out of that loop, but that's okay. Oh yeah, back to crying. Oh that, man, like, I
5: know so you guys tough, think I'm nuts now,
2: but out that's of so
5: people. nice. Tell Kara that she's. Oh, yeah, I'm glad she's listening.
2: How do you know Kara's listening? Is Kara listening? Are you listening, Kara? All right. Anyway, long story. <laughs> um, well, I'd want. Dr. Corey, I hear that you're starting a kind of a not a necessarily a new business, but you're going in a different direction with your career. Would you like to share a little bit about? Um, you have about one and a half, two minutes. What you're doing currently and what you're working on, and the name of your company.
5: Absolutely. Um, well, the name of the company has, has gone through a couple of different changes recently, but I believe uh, I believe that I've settled upon Parasensual Alchemy. Um, is that the, the name that I had sent you?
2: I believe so. What exactly does that involve? What kind of things will you be doing with that well,
6: business? Right.
5: We're, we're going to, we're actually going to have, um, we're trying, alchemy, which is the synthesis of many things or two things, um,
1: mm-hmm.
5: would be, it'd be the synthesis of maybe the paranormal, such as, um... I don't know, maybe, uh, gosh, now I can't even talk. I had too much to say, and now I don't have enough to say. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
5: but, um,
2: you um not explain the name. Just tell us, like, what you're selling or what you're building or uh, what you're doing.
5: Well, uh, I'm building specific equipment for the paranormal research um, teams or the paranormal research groups that isn't just modified um modified equipment taken from other uh industries like the cable industry or other things like that. My first my first actual um I guess the first my first objective was was to build a shadow detector. And uh if anyone was watching tonight, if if are if they watch um Haunted Collector, boy could they have used a shadow detector tonight. Because that's exactly what they were looking for. Um, there are energies high energy beings that seem to that seem to only be caught as as shadows and there have been a lot of um i guess motion detectors sold as as exactly. shadow detectors but they they 're actually just mislabeled motion detectors, and they don 't actually pick up what mine actually picks up the absence of light which would which would be the motion of a shadow instead of, you know, the movement of light, which would be the movement of an infrared being or something that gives off light.
2: All right, and I'm sorry so. to interrupt you, and I should never have started this conversation. And, Kareem, I'm just going to play the outro basically, and we're going to say goodnight in a minute. But if you'd like to know further, it's not on there yet, but there will be a direct link to... Um, Dr. John Corey's website and it will be off of the secrettoeverything.com website probably up within the next week depending on our marvelous web designer Leslie's skill and talents. And we'll have Dr. John Corey come on another day and give him a little more time to explain what he's into these days and what he's doing. But thank you, Dr. Corey, for being a co-host on the show. Thank you, Kareem, for um, Mm -hmm. managing our chat room and screening the callers. And we're going to have to sign up off right now, so good night everybody, thank you so much for listening right. Thank you very much Karina, <laughs>
5: very, very nice meeting you Yep. Nice to yeah. you Cool Bye right. Thank for listening on Secret to Everything with every Dr. Kimberly and George. Listen every Wednesday tonight. night Eastern
4: Standard Time from 7 to
1: 8pm PM on Blog Talk Radio, Radio.